Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And to continue our September making themes around songs, this week we are bringing you Love Stinks. Such a good title for this week. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm back in Wedding Singer. Exactly. Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. The guy at the table. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, such a good movie. So but love does stink this week. It does. It does. We've all been there a time or two. Don't say you have Oh, we have. That's one of my favorite Valentine's Day songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's just on repeat. Yes. On Amber's Valentine's night. It's fine. It's That's my tradition. Right. It's playing that song. I respect that. Open up with your case. Yeah, we're going to start with my case. And um, I'm going to just give you the heads up. This This case is pretty gruesome. And when I came across it, I had to double check. I was like, there's no way. Oh. There's no way this happened. No, really? it did. Oh, okay. Like, I did a double check. Like, did this really happen? You know, you like get this, fake news. This is a script for a movie. This isn't real. This is a fictitious story. Yeah, I was oh. really, really skeptical because okay. it's just so crazy what happens. But it is true, unfortunately. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. We got the wind up now. So. Yeah, that's if I have wound you up. Hit me in the balls, Amber. And let's go. It's going to be a low ball hit today. Okay. So I'm bringing you a case uh, from New Orleans. And this is around the time of Hurricane Katrina. Shut your face. Yeah. I know the case. Do you? Yes. And you're so right. I didn't believe this either. Okay. It it is absolutely true. I feel like this was like a big and also horrible thing to come out of that natural disaster. We have this horrible thing happening. And then to make the area look even, I don't want to say worse, but just to add to everything else, we have this come out of it. Yes. All of the horrificness that's already happening. Yep. I, I agree completely. I didn't realize you were covering this case. I'm so... I excited is a horrific word to use, but yeah. when you're a true crime fan, you get yeah, it. Yep. I, I bet everyone's like, yep, I'm excited too. And yeah. I am ashamed of that. I know <laughs> I'm tintillated right now and I don't like it, but let's, let's yeah, move on. Let's, let's dig in here. So, um, I'm actually, I'm going to start by sharing the end of this case with you because this is really essentially the beginning okay. of everything. Sure. This is when, you know, this is when police discover and begin their investigation. And so no one really knows anything up until the end. Yep. So I'm going to start there. Okay. And again, I'm hitting you a little ball today. So just a heads up. Yeah, you really are. Now that I, this, you know, what's worse is this is like, I know how bad this is going to hurt, but you're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those like situations. Like a Band-Aid kind yes. of. Yeah. Yeah. Band-Aid. You went real light on that one. <laughs> I was thinking more of like, like stubbing my vagina on a bicycle bar, but all right. Okay, that's probably more accurate. Yeah. Okay, so on October 17th of 2006 in New Orleans, as we said, Zachary Bowen, a tall, handsome, and he was Very a good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was noticeable. He stood out. 
And so he um, he grabbed a $20 bag of cocaine from his friend Squirrel. Yes, I did say Squirrel. I love it. Um, so he grabbed a, the bag of cocaine from Squirrel's bedside and he left his apartment. He headed out into the cool air because we are my favorite month, October. Mm-hmm. And he headed over to, I hope I say this right, Omnion Orleans Hotel on St. Louis Street. He rode the elevator from the hotel up to the seventh floor at the hotel's uh, poolside bar is where he was going. So when Zach arrived, a local band was setting up. They were going to play like a three-hour show that evening. So they were setting up. And so they actually saw Zach coming up to the bar as well. He headed over and ordered three shots of Jameson's. And as we had said, he stood out. He was 6'10". I don't know if I mentioned that, but he was super tall. And so being a good-looking, super tall guy, he's going to be noticed. Mm -hmm. And so the band kind of, there was uh, some of the members that recapped, you know, their recollection of him being there. And so they noticed that it was early for him to be drinking because it was around probably like 3, 4 in the afternoon. Um, by what standards is that early? But okay, to judge, the band standards, guess, it was early. Judge much? Um, can't a man day drink? On Seriously, the, <laughs> at the hotel? I, I see nothing wrong with this. Yeah. So he was also smoking quite a bit. So lots of one, cigarettes one after another. Yeah. So he was drinking, smoking, and so the band did take notice. Like, okay, this guy's hitting it hard, <laughs> right? So it appeared obvious to observers that he was nervous or anxious in some way because he was sure. really just going back and Chain forth. smoking, doing some shots, and now pacing. Yes. Yeah, I'd say it's a little suspect. <laughs> just, just a tad. The bartender actually recalls that he was worried that Zach was going to ditch the tab, and maybe that's why he was acting nervous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's- Unfortunately, that was not the case. Um, So, like we said, Zach had been drinking quite a bit. Like, he was really throwing them back at the time. And while he was on top of the roof, he was taking in the view of the French Quarters and the Mississippi River. I'm sure it's a gorgeous view from there. Yeah. Um, If you've ever been to New Orleans, it's an awesome place to visit. So, he was, as he was looking out, he was kind of reflecting on things that appeared. He had a failed marriage, and he also had this failed relationship with his girlfriend at the time, Addie. Okay. So it was about eight o'clock and Oh wow. Yeah, he was there a couple hours. So he put his final drink down and he walked up to the top floor of the hotel. So they weren't at the very top, obviously they were on the seventh, seventh floor. floor. Yeah. So at this point he leaves and goes up to the top of the hotel. So when he arrives at the top, he's pacing back and forth again several times. And he was up there for about a half an hour, just kind of walking around, reflecting on things. Around 8, 8.30 p.m. sharp, Zach leapt over the side of the building. Mm. Zach landed Zach landed with a heavy thud about five stories down oh. on top of a roof of a, there was an adjacent parking lot. Okay. And so he, that's where he landed. Yeah. Oh. Um, moments later, people spotted his body. I don't know if from like other buildings, because I'm assuming there's like lots of sure you know, buildings uh, yeah. around. And so he was spotted and 911 calls started to roll in. I can't imagine Mm-mm. seeing that, Mm-mm. hearing it, you know, no. but Aww. you know, there were witnesses. I don't know if they saw him actually jump or just land, but yeah. so detectives were actually just a few blocks away when the calls came in that someone had jumped off a building. 
And when they arrived, they found Zach Bowen face up with blood pouring out of his mouth and his head, which I'm sure was yeah, not I'd a say. nice sight to see. I imagine that. An investigator from the coroner's office rummaged through Zach's pockets and found a Ziploc bag, including army dog tags, which belonged to Zach from his former service, which I will tell you about, and a folded piece of notebook paper that said, for police only, on the outside fold. Yeah. When they opened it up, they discovered there was a really long note to the police specifically, which they did determine obviously was a suicide note. This is what the note said to the police. It said, this is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one that I took. If you send a patrol to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, along with full documentation on both of us, along with a full signed confession from myself. The key is in my right front pocket. Call Leo Watermeyer to let you in. Signed, Zach Bowen. Oh, my God. Honey, I'm no. I'm going to let you take that in for a minute. I don't want it. Because it's a lot. I'm rejecting it. Talk about a formal note, though. Like, hey, this is what I did, and I'm laying it out for you. And it's very militant. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I have a confession waiting for you. Yep. Um, this is really what, what I did. really going to make your job easy because this is my mess to clean up. Which also very polite of him to give them a heads up of what they were going to walk into yes. because, oh, my God. Instead of just... I killed my girlfriend and here's where she here's, is. Like she's at by this the rest. way, yeah. you're going to yeah. walk into some dismemberment. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Very, huh. mm-hmm. Guess he was raised with some manners, question mark? Yes, he was. Oh, Lord. So even the police, like I said, I mean, this this was my reaction as well, but the police also were like, is this com- some kind of sick joke? Sure. Is this serious? Yeah. You know, so they were questioning if this was real as well because it's just such a bizarre thing to find obviously he had killed himself but they're like really say it ain't so governor (laughs) say it ain't so as police arrived at the apartment they went and found leo oh good because if this was the lapd back in like the 70s they would have been like nah it's a we prank. don't need to we're not gonna <laughs> check it out rip the note up they're yep, like nah yeah, we're good this didn't happen uh, glad to see they followed through with the they, instructions on the note they did they went right <laughs> over to leo. the apartment good old leo oh, you know leo. uh let them in they arrived on a scene that they were not prepared to i mean unbelievable i don't even think a courteous note could prepare no. you for what mm-hmm. they discovered and so that's actually where i'm gonna leave you Right now. Okay. Like that's, yep. that's where we discovered what happened. Yes. I will go into telling you a little bit about Zach Bowen and Addie Hall, just so you know who our, our couple is in this case. But <laughs> I wanted to start with that because that's what the, that's what leads into this case mm-hmm. is him jumping off the building. Right. Okay. So now that I've bulldozed over everyone. Yes. Thank you. Taking your souls. Right. Could you please breathe some life back yeah. into us? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little bit about Zach first. And I couldn't find as much on Addie, but I will tell you what the little info that I found. So Zachary Bowen was born on May 15th of 1978 to Lori and Jack Bowen. And he had an older brother named Jed as well. Jack and Jed. Jack and Jed. Oh, I... Or Zach and Jed. Zach oh, and Zach. Jed. Okay. And dad was Jack. Okay. Jack, oh Zach, gosh. and Jed. He had a pretty good relationship with 
with his parents from what I, I found. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty normal upbringing. Um, mom was more of the strict parent and dad was more of the easygoing parent, it sounds like. They were both free-spirited, though, and they decided that they were going to travel and see where life took them. They took the kids, and they ended up in Seattle. They loved Seattle, and they were like, we want to live here. So they lived there for a while as a family, and then unfortunately the relationship between Zach's parents didn't last, so they ended up separating. Apparently Jack loved to party and live his best life in Seattle, so Lori wasn't loving that kind of life and she ended up leaving him all right zach and jed actually moved to california with their mom and jack stayed back in seattle oh okay and so zach was actually really popular and i see this over and over he was really well liked he was good looking as Mm -hmm. we mentioned and tall and he was funny and kind and so he was really well liked at school and just among everybody that knew him So it sounds like for, you know, the most part, he was a really good kid growing up. And as an adult, until things really go sour, he was a good man as well. Yeah. When he got older, he thought about moving back with his dad in Seattle. He was about 18. So he was like, I'm going to go, you know, try this out. But he decided he was going to travel a little bit beforehand. So he was like, "Mm, I'm going to see the world a little bit. And that's when he went to New Orleans. And he absolutely fell in love. And he was like, I want to stay here yeah so he ends up that he does stay there as a lot of people do that end up visiting new orleans i've heard that you know it's funny because i actually visited a couple years ago and i of course went on the ghost tour oh of course like what am i not gonna do that yeah and so the the tour guide said the same thing he was like I moved here and fell in love. And, and now it has me. And it has me. <laughs> so the city obviously does something to people where they, mm-hmm. you know, want to stay. I came back. Yeah. But. We're grateful for that. So anyway, he started bartending there. And he really did well with that. People liked him. Sure. He was like. Rico Suave. I, I picture him just like. You Tom Cruise on cocktails. Three drinks at a time. You yes. know, just like bam, bam, bam. And right. kind of like the life of the party. And he was attracting the ladies. Of course. Flipping liquor bottles, pulling tail. We get it. Yeah, (laughs) pulling tail. (laughs) All the young lasses out there. (laughs) Um, So when he's bartending, he actually meets uh, his first wife, and her name was Lana. Mm -hmm. She was an exotic dancer, and she came to the bar that he was working at. Working at. Working (laughs) at. So she came to the bar that he was working at, and the two hit it off. Instantly, there was chemistry. And long story short, Lana became pregnant very quickly. As that does happen. It does. Mm -hmm. So after becoming pregnant, like I said, this all happened really fast. They hit it off quickly. The two discover that Lana was actually 10 years older than Zach. Zach was only 18 at the time, as we said. Yeah, I forgot about... There's so many little details (laughs) I forgot about this case. That's right. And Lana was 28. And she's looking good for her age, catching the eye of an 18-year-old. Get it, girl. Yeah. Yeah, So she was... I mean, and he didn't know. Yeah. I think neither of them knew. Right. Because when The other's age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remembered that. when When that comes out, Lana really wasn't wanting to be with him. Yeah. Because she was like, you know... 
you're a nice guy, but what am I going to do with an 18 year old? For, yeah, totally get it. Definitely. And, so, and you know, he's nearly seven foot tall. What? Eight, not many 18 year olds are. <laughs> what that am I going to do with like this that? large For sure. 18 year old? You, I can't feed you. You can't fit through my doorways. <laughs> okay. My, my grocery bill alone is yes. going to be off the charts. She decides that she's going to end the relationship. She basically says like, listen, if you want to be around for the baby, great. If not, I understand. I'm keeping the baby, but the relationship's not going to work. Yeah. Throughout the course of that pregnancy, they aren't together. And I don't think that they had a lot of contact either because Mm -hmm. it sounds like Zach ends up hearing that Lana had went into labor, like from a friend of a friend. Yeah. So he doesn't even know until three weeks afterward. Right. But he does rush right to her and the baby and he wants to be involved. Yeah. He... Falls instantly in love with the baby. Of He's course. like, I want to be a dad. I want to do this. The The baby's name was Jackson, mm-hmm. a baby boy. I love that name. Yeah, so. me too. So he is instantly smitten. He's like, I want to be involved. I want to see the, the baby. And so he does start to visit. Lana wasn't loving it at first. Like, okay, fine. As time goes on, she sees that, okay, he really is trying. He's a good dad. Mm -hmm. Maybe this could work. So they do try to work out the relationship and they do for a while. They end up back together. They have a little family. They do end up getting married. Mm -hmm. Things were going well. Yeah. And then as time goes on, Lana gets pregnant again and they have another baby, um, a girl named Lily. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lily and Jackson. Aren't those such cute names? Mm -hmm. So Zach was super excited when Lana got pregnant again. So baby number two, and he's like, yes, he's loving the the dad life. Yeah. He's trying to provide for his family, but with two kids, bartending wasn't exactly cutting it. He was working like double shifts and working all the time. Oh, shoot. And he still was like, (laughs) this isn't enough. So what he decides to do is contact his older brother who was in the military And he ends up enlisting. Yeah. He hadn't finished high school at the time, so he actually gets his GED, you know, makes the effort to do all the things he needs to do so he can go into the the military. And this really made Lana proud. It made Zach proud. Like, they were going to be a military family. So things were, again, still going pretty well. They had goals. They were achieving them. Yeah. He was like, this is how I can really provide for my family. Sure. So he does get enlisted, and he is at some point stationed in Germany, but then he's deported to Iraq. But when he's deported, unfortunately, Lana got really sick with hepatitis C. Oh, and no. Yeah, like really, really sick, to the point that he has to take some medical leave, and he gets two weeks to go back and be with the oh, family. yikes. But she was still really sick when he had to go back. And so he tried to get doctor's notes and all kinds of things to say, like, he needs to stay and care for her. And is and this when she's still pregnant with Lily? She had already had. She already had Lily. She okay. already had Lily. And so the doctors were, like, trying to help him out. But the military is like, no, two right. weeks. Right. You have to come back. And so I think this was a turning point for him where it left a bad taste in his mouth. Yeah. Because he goes back, he has to, but he is not the same. His efforts are not the same. And from that point on, he starts to really try to find ways to get discharged. Mm-hmm. So he starts purposely failing his PT test. And, yep. And it works because he does get discharged. It wasn't a full dishonorable discharge, okay. but they referred to it as like a general discharge. Okay. So it's not a good thing. No. Right. But it's not like the, the worst, right. I guess. 
So he does get discharged and he goes back to his family and Lana was actually not happy when she gets, when he gets back. Okay. Um, I, like I said, there was some pride in him being in the military. Yeah. He was making something of his himself in right. their eyes. And so when he comes back home, she was pissed for lack of better words. Yeah. She's like, okay, well I guess I'm going to have to go start dancing again. So she goes and oh, gets, shit. you know, another job and she starts, she's, she starts the exotic dancing up. That would be hard if those are your options. Like, well, you quit your job, so now I have to go back to exotic dancing. Right, right. That, that would create I don't some know if resentment, that was a possibly. Thing. I don't know if it was, uh, well, I this need is all to she, go maybe work. Maybe what she's or, known, she knows she can make the right kind of money to be able to continue to live the way they're living. Right. I do want to mention, too, that when Zach was in the military, he was on the front lines. And so he saw some pretty gruesome things when he was serving. Okay. And so I want to make mention of that because I think it's it's a crucial part. It is very crucial in this for sure. So there's suspicion that he had PTSD, although he was not diagnosed. I think it would be safe to say that he had it for sure. So unfortunately, after Lana starts dancing again, she does meet another man and she ends up leaving Zach. Mm -hmm. And he was pretty heartbroken about it rightfully so so he starts getting back into bartending again when he's throwing those benjamin's energy string you know it's hard not to be lured away (laughs) eyes lock sparks fly i mean it happens and that's when i knew yeah right (laughs) he was for me yes so zach was getting back out there and he was you know very coveted by the female crowd. Of course, yes. He's got his peacock feathers just a flapping. <laughs> they are fanned out everywhere. Yes. And the ladies are like, Give me, give me all of those yep. feathers. It's making his little <laughs> sounds. And they're coming. And the, like the shake that they do. Yes. Like, oh, I know. And it goes and they just Oh, it gets me every time. My grandparents raised peacocks. Yeah. I could practically do the peacock mating dance. Oh, perfect. Maybe you should for the fans. (laughs) (laughs) Look for it on TikTok. Yeah. So he's, he's, you know, the ladies are picking up on what he's putting out. However, he does only have eyes for one little, uh, one little lady at the time. And her name is Addie. This is somebody that my understanding is working at the bar that he's Mm -hmm. working at as well. And he is 11. What are you seeing? At first, Addie didn't really give him the time of day. She was like, eh, whatever. I have to crank my neck to look into yep. your eyes. It's and a lot of work. Going yeah. back to the peacock thing, the females will walk around like, hmm, totally disinterested. You're going to have to work for this. That's right. You yes, know? yes. So I feel like that we had a little bit of that going on. And and he was good pursuit. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was pursuing, though. I'm proud of her that she didn't just fawn at give his it up. feet. Yes. Yep. She was like, eh, you know, whatever. I don't really I'm not really interested so cue the heavy pursuit you know (laughs) eventually Eddie does start to give in they start talking he's sharing things about himself and she's like you know maybe the ladies are right Right. there is something about it a little charming so they end up falling pretty hard for each other Mm -hmm. again pretty quickly and Things started off really well with them. They fell very deeply in love. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Addie. Again, I didn't get as much info on her. So what I know, her name was Adrienne Mathias, mm-hmm. uh, as they call they called her Addie Hall. She was born on January 15th of 1976. Addie was a firecracker from what people can recall. She was feisty. 
She uh, was a free spirit, artsy kind of roam the world. Let's be free. Let's, you know. Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was that kind of girl. And when you see pictures of her, it, she really gives gives that vibe off. Oh, yeah. And so she also loved to drink. She did do drugs. She loved herself some cocaine. And, you know, so she was frequently living the fast life, so to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. She didn't have a good upbringing. It's reported that her home was very abusive. There was extensive sexual abuse. So when she got older, she found herself in abusive and toxic relationships with men. And so we see this pattern start to form in Zach and Addie's relationship as well. They were spending a lot of time together. I was just going to say that. Boy, that's a lot of togetherness. So much time enmeshed with one another and that's how people describe them as is enmeshed yes together they were they wouldn't leave each other yes (laughs) they were literally like one person as much as they fought they they were described as like they weren't going to leave the relationship it wasn't healthy but that neither one was ever going to leave basically so they were living a fast lifestyle and uh zach starts to use substances with her as well okay i don't want to point fingers or say that she was the bad influence but it does Mm -hmm. sound like some of these toxic patterns started to come into fruition after Addie came into the picture yeah and introduced him maybe to that yes those things as I said this takes place in New Orleans about 2005 and this is the year of Hurricane Katrina as we know as we are currently sending out all vibes for everyone in the same area oh my gosh are suffering through Hurricane Ida it's literally hit the same day I, I uh, thought about that when I was doing this case. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is so sad that we're Here talking we are about again, this. 16 and, years later. Yep. So prayers and yes. good vibes to everyone. But this is one of the most devastating hurricanes in our history. Mm-hmm. I I believe it's the third worst. So I'm going to just give you a little bit about the, the hurricane because it's a big part of this. I feel like they lived through this. Yes. yes so I agree. Like I said, it's the third deadliest. And there's a lot of controversy with this this one in particular because of how it was handled. Yes. And the mayor at the time, who's also in prison now, I just want to mention, mm-hmm. um, he, I think it was embe- embezzlement and some fraud charges and whatnot. but Unsavory things anyway. So, so many unsavory things. So the mayor at the time, his name was Ray Megan, I believe. He did end up issuing an evacuation notice, but it was really... Like mm-hmm. the last minute. He sounds like the type of guy that would eat a hot dog like corn on the cob. Like just fucking <laughs> I, weird. I love your description of this. Like <laughs> you're just, you're just, a, just a just, fucking just moron. nibbling yes. bites out of it. Out of the hot instead dog. Instead of taking the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Instead of eating it <laughs> like vertically, you're eating it horizontally and it's not okay. Yeah. So the evacuation notice came, but it was like, too little, too late for a lot of people, yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the criticisms. Honestly, there was criticism with how it was handled before, during, and for after. Sure. Because yes. there was really no right, solid plan. So. Mm-hmm. And it's so... I watched a documentary on this case after I got back from New Orleans because you can tell that this hurricane just really left a scar on mm-hmm. New Orleans. Absolutely. I went to the memorial and everything, and there's still people that were never identified. Oh, wow. So not to get often too much sidebar but it's just such a sad situation Mm -hmm. so the ones that ended up staying to tough out the storms they had no idea what they were in for right zero i I don't think anybody had any idea what they were Mm -hmm. in for our younger listeners that maybe 
don't know, just a quick rundown. New Orleans is below sea level. So it's basically yep. like a kind of like a bowl. Mm-hmm. It is and a crevice in the earth. It is a crevasse. <laughs> and so it's also surrounded by the Mississippi River. And there's a lake. Hope I get this right. Lake Pontchartrain. So when Hurricane Katrina hit land, all that water rising, the levees that basically held that water from filling the city mm-hmm. up, they busted. They busted, yeah. And there was criticism because it sounds like that was pretty well known that those levees were not going to be equipped. Yes. And so they always kind of wondered, like, well, shit, what are we going to do if if we ever get a really bad hurricane? Mm-hmm. And then it happened. So it was basically something that probably should have been taken care of a long, long before. time before. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, when those levees broke, it was horrific. The city filled up, like, instantly with mm-hmm. water. People drowned immediately. I've read horror stories about people, like, their houses filling up before they could even begin to get out of yes. them. Yes. Makes sorry, you know I'm I emotional. Know. It makes horrible. me it makes me want to cry. Because it, my heart breaks for people that didn't know what they were in yeah. for. Yeah. I, I wanted to tell you that because Zach and Addie like survived. Yeah. They they survived that. all of that. Mm-hmm. I believe their apartment was second floor. I don't know if that helped, but they they lived through this, you yep. know, happening. And just like camping out in that apartment complex. Yeah. They decided to to stay the course. They refused to evacuate. So this is what they lived through, which is pretty incredible that they made it mm-hmm. through all of that because many people did not. Again, I could go off on the tangent about how after this happened, rescue efforts were yes. very Min- poor. Minimal. But if we'll stop there, if you mm-hmm. have time to check out things about Hurricane Katrina, if you're not familiar, I suggest you do so because it's just a it's just something I think we all need to be aware of. Eye opening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Like, this is what they were living through yeah. and in. Nobody and came endearing. for days. The Basically, the cry for help was very minimal because the media wasn't covering this right away. So there was, like, almost a week. Nobody knew how bad it was down there. Yeah. No power, no food, no water, no rescue efforts. It was horrible. And didn't they, like, become, like, little leaders on their street? And they had, like, their own little community? They did. I was actually going to get into that. So Zach and Addie actually really loved the post-Hurricane Katrina life because Mm -hmm. they were, like, making drinks for people. They had all their booze still. Yeah, this (laughs) is one of the things that I really remember from this case was how they formed their own little survivor game Uh on their street. They're like, here's a cocktail for you. Here's one for you. Addie would flash the caps when they went by. Like, they were just kind of like the life of the, you know, stranded community. Yeah, okay. They actually made the, I believe it was the New York Times. Like, they got a little media attention from from this. So, they actually did really well. Their relationship was good during this time. And they were essentially thriving they kind of it was like a camping trip for Mm -hmm. them so they were enjoying it as much as that was difficult they they were kind of thriving as a couple during that time as we transition into things going south yeah some people say that New Orleans starting to go back to normal is what created the problems for them you know what I'm reminded of have you ever seen Speed yeah Keanu Reeves Sandra Bullock at the end of the story they're making out and Keanu is like, you know, or maybe it's Sandra. I don't know. One of them's like, I've heard that relationships based on intense situations mm-hmm. don't last or mm. whatever. Like they have this whole conversation about it. And I'm just reminded of this. Like they're in this intense situation. Everything is going really well. But then as 
the community starts to heal and they're no longer the vibrant leaders. They're not getting that attention. Yeah. Yep. And it's just left back because it was sounded like it was starting to go south before Katrina. Yes. Hit. And then Katrina happened yep. and they were kind of like in this little. Wrapped up in all of that. Mm-hmm. And then now they're back left with just their relationship. Yes. That's exactly what happened. And I just want to say, love me some Keanu Reeves and Speed. Oh, absolutely. The day I fell in love mm-hmm. when I saw that movie. Um, it's the day that I fell uh, in love with police officers. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. He was so beautiful. I was like, who oh, is yeah. this man? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. when did the Lord bring him to the earth? Right. Because And oh. did he make more like them? Yes. <laughs> Could we get a twin? Right. Maybe low budget twin. I still love him to this day. Yes. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> anyway, moving forward. Yes. So. Oh, I love Sandy B too, by the way. Oh, props to uh, her. Yeah. I can't just like leave that hanging still in the Still gorgeous. Of course. Timeless. Going back to real life, Zach and Addie were struggling to handle responsibility again, like getting a job, paying bills, routines. Sure. Unfortunately, it sounds like Zach also lost his desire to co-parent with Lana and pay child support. I don't know if there was just some general depression that struck them after Mm -hmm. this because it was essentially a good time for them. Mm -hmm. And now they're back to reality and it's like, because it sounds like he just kind of shut down, Mm -hmm. stopped seeing the kids, stopped. Taking well, responsibility. He realistically, has had so much trauma between the military experience and then even if they weren't completely suffering during Katrina, it still was a traumatic event and it a was. lot of trauma to witness. And this one was hard and for without me. without appropriate processing, that, yeah. that does some things to Heck you. yes, because the, the struggle that I have with this one is that there were good things about this man. Yes. And so the things that happen, they're horrific, they're, they're undescribable. But this is someone that was essentially a good man before trauma, before trauma, mm-hmm. before toxic, toxic relationship yes. and substances. And it's just a shame, yes, you know, definitely. And it's hard when you have a murderer because we don't share, you know, show any mercy usually, Absolutely. but it's we like, don't. this, this one's, one's just hard. tragic. Mm-hmm. It's really, it is hard. The dynamics of the relationship a little bit, just to recap, they were toxic. We had some good periods. They did love each other pretty intensely, mm-hmm. but it's the classic like roller coaster. Yeah. You know, we're not stable most of the time. We're either really good or we're yep. really bad. Yep. And we're real high or we're real low. Yep. So there was not a very good in between for them add the substances I was just gonna say that too yeah we had substance use going on all the time Addie was from a broken home thing that I was kind of thinking of is when I was looking at his history it didn't look like there was a lot of toxic patterns with his previous relationships mm-hmm. again I'm not pointing fingers but it seems like the toxic combination really came to fruition when yes. Addie came into the picture right who had maybe never really experienced a, a healthy, healthy relationship no mm-hmm. and her her childhood and everything yeah. it sounds horrible that was not modeled for sure right so the life that they were living especially after Katrina it was not sustainable it was just kind of getting worse they mm-hmm. were fighting constantly they ha- also had squirrel that I mentioned in the beginning yes. that was constantly supplying them with cocaine and basically whatever they needed Is he was a drug dealer picturing scrap from ice age because I am <laughs> with the it's, little like yeah it's what it looks like and strung and out yeah <laughs> yes that's what I picture too he's like all over the place like there's a reason eyes. he got that nickname for, for sure <laughs> you're right they're not calling him squirrel for no right. reason not because he is well put together and adorable like <laughs> yeah. no that's not why <laughs> calm and yeah. you know Mm-mm. peaceful no not squirrel I'm gonna bring you to October 5th of 2006 Zach and Eddie were both 28 at the time and this is 
a night that the fighting really escalated and became out of control. It got a little physical. And so according to evidence that they found at the scene and the notes left behind by Zach, he did strangle Addie that night. It's reported that he did that in the bathtub. So when you said a little physical, you meant murderous. <laughs> yes. I Now, I do want to mention, though, it probably does fit because in, and I'll get to it later, but it sounds like it was pretty, like, quick and peaceful. Yeah. That's how he describes it. Right. Well, that part is mild compared to what happens next. So, I mean. Absolutely. And that's why I'm going to go ahead and give you a trigger warning at this point because I'm going to tell you what happened after he kills Addie. So she was strangled in the bathtub. She was strangled in, okay. in October 5th. Yes. All right. And her life was ended that day. Okay. Unfortunately. So after he does kill Addie, he proceeds to cut her body into pieces. In the bathtub. In, you know, I, I'm i assuming it started there. I think it was in the bathtub. Yeah. From some of the things I've read, but. Clearly they're moved to other parts yes. of the home, but I think that's where. So after he cuts Addie up into various pieces, Zach, um, he does remove her head, unfortunately, and he places it in a, a pot on the stove. Mm. Her feet were, and there's some varying information, let me just say, I found quite a variety of things on the the reasoning for all of this happening but her feet were put in a a pot and um her hands were put in the oven with her legs Mm -hmm. and again sources differ on where the various parts were distributed right but you get the gist yes he was her corpse like the remainder of it was placed in a bag in the refrigerator And so I did read some things about like, like the legs, they were cooked and the head was boiled. Yes, I I did did read about like that as well. Possible seasonings being used. And so the part, a whole body stew. Yeah. The part that varies, I tend to lean towards maybe not believing it was cannibalism. There's no factual information that there was cannibalism. There's, from what I read, this case just like, since it was such a shocking thing, it spiraled out of control. Sensationalized. So rumors. So there was some articles about like him seasoning the meat or trying to get it off the bone by boiling it. Like those really disgusting graphic details. I don't know if the intention was for cannibalism or the other thought was how he was going to properly dispose of the body. Yes. Yep. Cooking it was. And handled the smell. And yes, because the apartment was also set at like 60 degrees when the police entered. It was super cold in there to preserve things. Okay. And so, yeah, I don't know what the intention exactly was. Probably only Zach knows. I feel like the cooking was above and beyond, but maybe that was also to preserve like smells and I don't know. I can't imagine cooking it makes it smell better. Maybe that's what the seasoning was for. Good point. (laughs) God forgive me. I'm just speculating like what was the right, you know. That's all. I mean, when we're not in that mindset, all we can do is speculate. That's for sure. Yeah. So there, again, some varying information. I don't know if it was seasoned or not. I don't know like that, those pieces. I heard that. You know, he did eat part of her. I've heard that he didn't. So I hope he didn't, but I don't know. know. Either way, disgusting. Yes. Horrible. I can't imagine walking in that. The poor first responders. Yeah. And police and detectives and everyone who has to take pictures. There's so many people involved in an investigation like this that get 
traumatized by it. Uh The photographer. Then all the numerous people that have to look at the photos to analyze it. Not to mention the people who have to physically pick up these pieces and place them into evidence and take them where they're supposed to be taken for process. I mean, there's so many people that we never really talk about in cases like this that are equally as traumatized. Absolutely. I'm sure anybody involved with this had some kind of trauma. (sighs) And Um, just, it's so personal to remove someone's head because that's like the part that looks into their soul with their eyes, you know, and to have boiled that or, or at least at the very least put it in a pan on the stove is just, that's the part that I struggle with because it was like, he was a, he was a good guy up until you know, his life took a turn and, and this is somebody that he loved and this he is somebody he loved action for. So the, the thought that he could kill her, but then go on to desecrate her body. Yeah. is just, you know, that's hard to yes, wrap my brain around. I agree. So the police knew where Addie was located. Like they knew they were going to find her in the apartment or they, that's what the note yeah, said. So they, right. they either thought it was a joke or that they were going to find what they, you know, what Zach said they were going to find upon entry and finding her. It took them a long time to actually identify her because of the condition of all the remains. Of course, it was right. so bad uh, that it took them a couple weeks that to actually yeah. get a positive identity. So there's another report that Zach Bowen had sex with Addie's corpse afterwards. I saw that. Oh, and- shit. Yeah, I saw that in several articles, but then I also say that, um, I also saw that police denied the claim. Okay. So again, it's speculation. It's, you know, I'd be one of those sensationalized things. It could be, but that's, I mean. But this is the facts already that we know based on what was found is horrific enough. so bad. Why do people have to keep adding shit? Why are we adding necrophilia and cannibalism if we don't? 100% know know. that that was already there. Like, this is bad enough, people. You don't need to make it worse and more dramatic somehow. I sadly hate to say, but I I feel like this... It would make such a good media story that maybe that's what happened. Like, oh, we'll just add this in. We know that's happened before, definitely. Mm -hmm. Ugh, gross. So after the murder, Zach spent some time in the apartment and wrote messages on the walls and he spray painted some things. And then obviously the five page, there was a five page letter for the police. Okay. So he spent some time doing that. I read that he slept by Eddie's corpse before he destroyed it. Um, But it sounds like he was in absolute denial for a good solid two weeks because he doesn't kill himself until about two weeks later. So he went on day to day, like he went to work the next morning. He was going out drinking, getting exotic dancers and he kept her corpse for two weeks. That is correct. Oh, honey, no. Uh-huh. So he was, like, going hardcore. He was doing all of the drugs, doing, you know, going out partying. and Probably contemplating suicide the whole time. I'm guessing. just living his, yeah, his best life every night. Yes. Yeah. So, like, going nonstop. I'm, you know. Yikes. I don't know that it took him that long to hit. I've seen things take a long time for people to actually, like. Of course. You know, it hits Reality them, what, hap- them what actually what happened. Really, yeah. Maybe that's what the case was, but yeah, it was a good couple weeks because it wasn't until October 17th that he um, jumped off the building. Yeah, that's a long time for him to be in this psychotic sort of state of mind. So I don't know if he was like going out and doing things and then coming home and working on the disposal. That's what I had had read. Now that I'm now remembering all like all the details as we're going through this, I forgot it was that long. Yeah. 
but I do remember um, hearing that that he got up and went to work the next day. Nobody suspected anything. Yep. And he was acting normal, it sounds like. didn't and people ask where Eddie was? They did. Squirrel even re- recalled him, you know, Squirrel asked where she was, and Zach was like, oh, she she left me, you know, yeah. she up and left, and Squirrel remembers, like, that was not like them because they were not going to leave yes. each other. They yeah. were connected all the time, together all the time. So he remembers thinking, like, that seems That's weird. really bizarre mm-hmm. that she would just up and leave. It's weird when Squirrel thinks things are weird. <laughs> if Squirrel sees a problem, right. you Ooh. know it's legit. Yikes. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the messages that were found on the walls and a little bit of the... Um, a little bit of that info. One of the messages that they found spray painted on the apartment, I believe this one was above the bed. It said, please call my wife. I love her. I'm a total failure. Look in the oven. Please help me stop the pain. So I feel like he still had love for his first wife. Yeah. You know, that was, things were good then until... Yep. Then he got back from the military. Right. And she viewed him as a failure because of the way he was discharged. And yeah, that's okay. That's So they found that one. They found the signed confession. It said, today is Monday, October 16th, 2 a.m. I killed her at 1 a.m. on Thursday, October 5th. I calmly strangled her. It was very quick. So yeah, the police are finding all of this as they go back, you know, back into the apartment. There were also burns on Zach's body that he indicated in his message. He put a burn on his body for every year of his life as a punishment for his failures. So he was obviously going through. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it all hit him at once or if it hit him after he murdered Addie. And that Mm -hmm. was just kind of like the start of everything. But he had to have been um, numbing slash really going through a lot of emotional turmoil Mm -hmm. in that couple weeks after he murdered her. Most definitely. That is really the gist of everything that happened with the case. It's so gruesome what happened, but it was actually, once they found Zach, they found her and And, and he confessed. I was going to say, there's no more, there's no investigation really other than the unanswered question of just why Zach Yep. You know, I mean, obviously he was in a deep depressive state. We can certainly point to PTSD, un- untreated PTSD from both um, mm-hmm. military, possibly Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, there's I mean, so many there's factors. Lot, know, so many facets to this. And yeah, there's a lot of theories in this case. And I kind of noted a couple of them. Like you said, the PTSD is a huge factor in this. So people speculate. I think that that had something to do with it. Um, not only that, but you have Addie who came from a broken home. Yes. Obviously hadn't dealt with any of that. And she's coming into this relationship with toxic patterns yes. as well. Yep. Like I said, Zach didn't, I didn't find anything about his relationship with Lana being right abusive or toxic. Yes. So we have substances and we have toxic, you know, he yep. actually relationship with Addie was also after his service in the military. Yes. So we have two broken people yep. that haven't dealt with their issues and substances. Substances then an intense, intense situation, life or death situation yep. that exaggerates things then continued with the abuse of substances. Mm-hmm. And, from, ah. you know, from what I've read also, it sounds like Addie was, was very abusive to him and she would often beat yes, him up but be physical with him so I, yeah, I was gonna point that out I'd read one that day too. like yep. he I don't, I don't know but there's also because New Orleans is 
you know, very much known for voodoo and, you know, spirits and hauntings and all of that exciting stuff that I love. There are some theories um, from the French Quarter and, you know, some other places that this wasn't just love, drugs, murder. You know, it, it was some kind of demonic presence. Uh, there was a voodoo shop that was below their apartment. Oh, no kidding. So there's some speculation as to whether that shop underneath had some spiritual influence I on, see. on Zach. Leave it to you to bring up the spooky <laughs> and bring it into your case. But, you know, I did find that because, like I said, wow. you go to New Orleans, you're going to yeah. have all kinds of ghost, yeah. you know, stories, sightings, tours, all of that stuff. And so with there being that shop underneath, there's speculation that maybe there was some kind of evil presence there that took wow. over that night. Maybe. So I thought that one was interesting. But, you know, a lot of the other theories just, they they do stem from the, you know, untreated PTSD, the toxic relationship between the two of them, mm-hmm. you know, did everything build up and he just snapped. I think right. that that's, yeah, you know, the truth lies in there Absolutely. somewhere. I mean, with him saying things like, I'm a failure and burning himself for every year that he's been alive, he was in a deep, deep state of depression. Yes. Whether that was going on before he murdered her or after, we will never know. Yeah. But. And honestly, I want to point out, too, that, I mean, this is not the first person we've heard of cooking their victims and dismembering. Yes. But there was remorse. Yeah. And this is this is very different. He wasn't... The other cases we've covered where, or that you maybe have read about where that happens, it is typically for a... They derive pleasure out of doing that. Mm-hmm. I This it does not sound like a case like that where he derived pleasure and it sounds like he had such remorse that it actually spinned him him out of control and he took his own life yeah that's very different than someone who is getting a sexual gratification from dismemberment or cannibalism or cooking their but you know whatever it may be um the the morbid pleasure out of that didn't seem to happen for him so it's i don't think whoops sorry move my microphone if you could hear that uh, I, feel I, like I don't think that is the case. This is just one of those, a, a tragic psychotic break. I I feel like just knowing about the remorse, I do question the cannibalism and the necrophilia. I agree. I don't know. I mean, we'll maybe never know that, that piece, but... Again, um, though, those, those pieces come from a, a pleasure principle, and that's not... This wasn't a sexually motivated crime. No, I don't think it was either. And I, I do think it was just a fight that went too far. Maybe they were using something. Maybe, you know, yeah. it just, it sounds like they fought all the time. Yes. And this one went too far. This, yeah, this was, to me, a crime of passion. And things were escalating. Yeah. Addie was trying to get him kicked out of the apartment because she was speculating that That's he was right. cheating. cheating. And yep. so there was That's a lot right. of drama. And like we said, it was not sustainable for them to carry on the way they were so something was going to happen yep so yeah that's that is my uh, case it's uh, it is i know <laughs> it's it, ugh. it is love stinks <laughs> love stinks man i do think he loved her i yeah, do i agree I, I mean he's indicated that he loved her yep. and i think that once it hit him when he did he couldn't live with it yep i i agree so that's it's a shame ugh. um that's why we need treatment we need that's to right. normalize it Uh, break the stigma it's okay to get help and you know he didn't get any help he never talked about any of his problems and back then most definitely not. yeah so that's I mean gosh isn't it it's so sad because I feel like he had 
a lot of potential before his trauma and he never dealt with it and yep it ended in an ugly way Mm -hmm. oh my gosh give us a brain bath okay so i actually have (laughs) i have a personal brain bath that i'm going to share with you today because i just feel like I was driving home the other day and I, it hit me like how how ridiculous I am sometimes. Okay, sure. So I thought I'm going to share this with everybody. So actually, as you can see sitting on my counter, I do. there is a delicious watermelon. I know. And I was actually wondering, I mean, it's sitting so erect and beautifully like that. It's looks like a wonderful fabulous. watermelon. Yeah, it, she is ready. I can confirm it's a beautiful watermelon <laughs> so, sitting on her yes. counter. So my loving father... He has a garden every year. It's amazing. He does, you know, vegetables and all. Like, it's a really legit good garden. And so he brought I'm me so this. jealous of your dad. I know. <laughs> He's like, live off the land. Oh, yeah. You know. And so he brought me this watermelon from his garden about a week and a half ago, I would say. And so he had stopped. He stopped by a couple of times. Well, the first time he stopped by, he's like, oh, you haven't eaten the watermelon yet. Like, what's oh. going on? And I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, we're going to do it. Right. Like later today. But secretly, I'm scared to cut those bitches up. But me too. <laughs> and that's why it's still there because right. I'm like, this is a jo- this is an all day job. I have to pack away the extras. Absolutely. I need to lay out a sheet or there a There has tarp. to be room in your fridge <laughs> yes. for that MFR. Yes. So I it's haven't process, gotten around man. to it. So... Um, he came over a second time. I knew he was coming and it hit me and I was, I was like, oh my gosh, oh, the watermelon's shit. still here. And he expects that we've eaten this. He's already mentioned it once. I can't hurt, I can't hurt him in this way. So me being who I am as a person, like I have to hide this watermelon. I have to. Oh my God. But you're like, how do you, you know, hide a, a watermelon? It it's not a pretty easy. big watermelon, right? It's a huge. And so I'm like, all right, gotta find, I can't do a closet cause he's, he was coming to help with some handiwork so I'm like okay. I can't do a closet or a bedroom yeah you know yeah he discovers it and around. then it's like what the fuck gonna is be my really watermelon awkward. doing in your closet yes. I gave it to you to eat exactly so what I end up doing is I I took it into my own bedroom and I buried it under my pillows <laughs> in my bed <laughs> You tucked I your tucked watermelon in. <laughs> into your own bed to hide from your father. I did. I tucked it in of under the pillows the and covers. That Amber is hiding from her dad. It is fruit. It's a watermelon. Fruit. So I was like, I didn't think anything of it. And I actually left to go to the store before I came over. So I left it. I didn't think anything. And then on my way home, it hit me and I started laughing. I'm like, there is a freaking watermelon, watermelon in my bed. <laughs> Chilling. In your bed. That is my level of single. <laughs> I keep watermelons in my bed. Your level of single is the fact that you are thinking of coming home to the watermelon, to watermelon. in your bed. Yes. Not a <laughs> Nothing man's. more, nothing less. Just, Just the watermelon. watermelon. A robust, ripe watermelon. So since then I've made you. some outfits for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am kidding. <laughs> But no, that's, I decided I would share that with you because I literally put a watermelon in my bed. Yes, you did. And clearly your father does not listen to the he podcast. He doesn't. <laughs> he probably doesn't even know what a podcast is. He, he so doesn't. He still uses like an actual map for finding places. Oh, so. the sweetest. Like a paper that's one. the sweetest. It is cute. But so. of all the I hid this from my parents stories, yours is a MFing watermelon. And that is that is how crazy your life is currently. It, yep. I love it. That is my brain bath for you today. Wow. <laughs> 
please tell me that you took a picture? You know, I actually do have a picture. Oh my gosh. Because when I, like I said, I was laughing so hard at myself when I got back. I was like, I feel like we should post it for the listeners. I Proof gonna, that Amber yes. really did tuck a watermelon into her bed to hide from her father. Because I was laughing so hard at myself, I'm like, I am going to capture this because I wanted to share it with you and, you know, and everyone else. Oh my so God. they feel better about themselves. Right, right. <laughs> oh. So there yeah, there you have it. Not the fist of fury that you're hiding. Just just a watermelon. Just a watermelon. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Amber. Well, thank you for that. Um, hey guys, follow us on social media and feel free to write us your own. I loved the personal brain bath stories. Oh yeah, they're so good. If you guys have brain bath stories, write us crimecurious at yahoo.com or message us on Facebook. If you want more of us, uh, join our Patreon. We have tiers at three, five, and ten dollars a month. Each tier gets you just a little bit more than the other. A little uh, extra. Yep, and that is uh, Crime Cur- Patreon. What is it? What is it? Patreon.com. Crime Curious, something like that. So at Crime uh, Curious. Yeah, yeah. Crime Curious Patreon.com. That's yes. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, uh, till next time, everyone. Keep it curious. Keep listening, and uh, you know, stay safe. Very safe. Yeah. Watch out for those watermelons in your bed, Amber. (laughs) Always check under your covers and pillows. God, I'm going to go into your room right now and find (laughs) two cantaloupes and an eggplant, aren't I? (laughs) Strategically placed. I cannot confirm nor deny. I'm going to go check it out. Okay. Till next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.